Strategy and the Virtual Controller, Episode 6. Penny, how are you? Who would have thought we would have made it to Episode 6? Oh, I didn't think we would, that's for sure. At least not with me. I figured you would. I didn't think I would. (laughs) So Damien uh, so Greathead, ladies and gentlemen, it's Damien Greathead here and I'm with Penny Breslin. Uh, Penny, I, I, I'm not sure when this episode will air. It might be a little bit after the, the March 15 or the May 15 deadline, but how's, how's tax season looking for, for your team? Um, we are absolutely ready to see it end. Yep. It has been uh, ongoing since 2019 (laughs) um so we're absolutely ready to see it end and take a little bit of a break um and so are all of our clients so um it's been good though it's been a good year but i think you're right i think accountants this uh for accountants and bookkeepers it it, it has been a a a year-long tax season and maybe not a tax but a year-long um uh slog uh, helping clients, processing data, understanding and understanding legislation, responding to clients, getting the work done. So yeah, it, it, it has been a very um, prolonged period, hasn't it? Yeah, I feel like uh, there's never been an end to it. Uh, the, we were working Saturdays and some Sundays and, you know, um, it's it just, it didn't stop. And of course we have clients not only who are tax clients, firms. We also have firms that are CFO and fractional CFO firms. So they don't let those compliance dates uh, drive them. They're driven by the fact that every month they deal with the client. And so they have to have all their data and their ducks lined up and in a row. And um, so it just seems like it never ends. Actually, it's a good point. The road goes on forever I, it, it's a good a point. And yeah, because what we've been talking about as well is is those firms that try to do it all. Yeah, if you're still doing the if you're still doing the the tax work plus the the bookkeeping plus the controller plus the fractional CFO, um, you, you're going to get to a point of realizing, oh, actually, I can't do it all, and I really do need to identify what it is that I want to do, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's step number one. What is it that you want to do? Because, God, uh, if you if you're not happy working, if your employees aren't happy, your clients aren't happy, you know, come on, life's hard enough. Yeah. So <laughs> find somebody, and that uh, we were talking about that, and that was when I designed that diagram for you because we had this uh, young lady in the Midwest who uh, called us when she first started her business. And she goes, I, I have two clients. I really am not sure what, where I'm going with this and what's going to happen. Uh, here is, she said, this is what I want to do. This is what I want my business to look like. I'm just starting out. And she gave us, even when there was just two clients, she gave us all the back work to do, all the accounting and bookkeeping work. And she focused on the client. The relationship, taking the data that we gave her and having a meeting with the client. Um, one was a dental office that was buying a third building and opening up a third office. And the other was a uh, smaller single dental office. So she's kind of focused in a vertical uh, of dentists. And, you know, she went from January of 2020 with two clients to here we are 2021 and she's got 15 clients and they keep her pretty busy but she doesn't do any bookkeeping and she doesn't do no, any tax she do any bookkeeping. <laughs> or she any, do any tax, tax returns. Uh, she, uh, we found her a tax cpa who was interested in just doing the tax returns um she meets with her clients um she has three kids she wanted a life that would allow her to use her capabilities and have a life that she wanted. And yeah, pretty much so, that's it. We meet with her once a week for a one hour meeting in Zoom. We go over everything that has to be done that week and uh, any questions we had on prior week's work. And it's we've got her in an online workflow system. She didn't, she, all she had was an Excel spreadsheet when she started. Um, we've got her in a couple of apps for uh, helping her manage documentation 
And um, then we also pushed her into signing up with um, a bookkeeping group uh, that you and I are familiar with that does um, training and I don't know, can we use his name? Yeah, why not? I don't think so, Joe why not? Oh, Joe okay, Wooden. yeah, yeah, his, his system, yeah. Yeah, and um, so, yeah, so basically, we she just she just is a client she's an advisory to her clients well i think i I was waiting for you to get there penny because i think that's a segue to today's episode because i've been looking forward to talking (laughs) it's what does she do if she doesn't do bookkeeping if she does it doesn't do tax then what on earth does she do for her clients one of the things with this with this dentist is uh, she was she said we need to renegotiate your lease um she helped him negotiate a better lease. Uh, she also helped him to get cost segregation done for when he had to do the new build out on his new dental office. Um, he was getting a little over his skis on his expenses. She noticed it right away, helped him bring it back in line, recommended some items that he could do and ways that he could control his, his money a little bit better because uh, he wasn't really paying attention because he was running so hard between these three offices. He wasn't paying attention to the outflow. Um, and she saved him considerable amount of money. And I can imagine so. that listeners today are thinking, that sounds like a quarter, a third, half of my business client base out mm-hmm. over their skis uh, from their expenses, running too fast, not enough cash flow. Uh, and, and and really what I, what I love about this example and, and how you've helped this firm, Penny, is they have taken, she has taken this idea of the trusted advisor uh, and actually implemented it and, and has built a business around advisory while still being able to, to provide the, the full range of services for her clients, whether that's be through partnership or through outsourcing. But she's looked at this, what is advisory? She's understood and, and she's delivering on that. And I, I think that's what... Um, I, I really struggle. I'm not sure about you. And I think we, we laugh about this quite often about this whole idea of trusted advisor. You know, we go to a website of a, of, of a lot of our clients or a lot of our prospective clients, and there's a, a big tag there that says we are our client's trusted advisor. Um, big, big uh, uh, tab on the website that says business consulting or business advisory. But what what I struggle with is actually being able to communicate what advisory is uh, and, and communicate it in a way so that a client understands what it is they're, they're paying for. Well, I have a, I, I don't deal with a lot of direct clients, but the ones I do deal with, they call me, the bookkeeping's getting done. It gets done for them every month. They call me when they have a question that they need something done that's outside of just a allocation, bank reconciliation, and close the books at the end of the month. Um, otherwise, my bookkeeping team is taking care of all of that, and they'll they'll want to know. Uh, I've got a lot of questions on PPP, EDIL. Uh, for one company, it was all right. We're going to have bills coming in. And they're coming in willy nilly and I'm getting some in the mail and I'm getting some. And I said, okay, let's write up a procedure and let's put it out there in the company. And you're going to tell all of your sales reps that this is the way it's going to go. You know, and so things like that, I advise them on. Um, other people, it's the PPP. It's, I'm not, I've not touched any of their books. I don't do any of the accounting. Uh, I just answer their calls and that's you know it's always like you realize this isn't part of what you've signed up for for your flat monthly rate this is add-on and for i I think that's really important isn't it because penny i've sort of looked at yeah because i've i've looked at the financials of the the virtual controller firms of the the virtual bookkeeping firms. There's not a lot of margin at the end of the day, is there? In in in, in terms of running the the traditional bookkeeping business. No, no, no. By the time you finish paying for all the technology you have to have and paying for your employees and and office space and connectivity and all of that, there is very little margin, and that's not where you're going to make your money. It's a loss leader. It's like I think I said this a while ago. 
You know, when we were in the furniture office furniture business, we sold two door filing cabinets to get people in the door and eventually sell them that big fancy desk that they always wanted. Mm-hmm. That's where we made the money. Uh, it's like going into a, a restaurant. Uh, it's why they come out and they hustle dessert at the end because that's where that's where their their margins are really good on that dessert. They're not good on the meal that they served you. Um, their margins are good on the alcohol. It's mm-hmm. not good on the on the water and the coffee that you drink. And so <laughs> the refillable <laughs> soda. <laughs> They're not making money there. Exactly. <laughs> so I mean, you know, you got to look at where you're going to make the money. And the, and for this this young lady that uh, we were working with, she is adamant as is a couple others some of the ones we're going to be interviewing one of those guys we're going to interview later on they're adamant that we close the books on a specific day and she goes through it with us and goes okay here is my monthly meeting schedule this is when i need these companies books done by and i want and she always wants a 48 hour period in front of it so that she can do her review before she visits with the client and she sticks to it and um, I'm impressed that she can do this. Uh, and yeah, I mean, the, actual inter- the, 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 the interesting the thing though, Penny, is, is advisory work, it's not difficult, um, but it's about defining what it is you are doing as an advisor. Uh, and and um, your book that you put together, which helps accountants and bookkeepers build not only the virtual side of things, but also really helps understanding the, the the packaging of services, the pricing of services. Um, and you can find out about that on the website, satvc.co, so strategy in the virtual controller, satvc.co. Um, but you, you've really... Um, and I'm not sure if it was your model or if, if you uh, if you borrowed it from somewhere, but basically it was helping folks understand what are different aspects of advisory uh, and helping them actually implement advisory with their clients, being able to communicate it. Um, I was reading a CPA Australia uh, study and, and the number three priority of uh, CPAs in Australia was to implement advisory. Um, and I must admit, um, if I talk to the, the bulk of accountants and CPAs that I talk to, they weren't able to define and describe to me what advisory meant, but they all knew that they wanted to implement it. Um, and so, Penny, probably a good opportunity for us to spend a little bit of time on that model that you've created, that you've shared in your book, that really helps define and describe. And, and it's the, the great thing about it is there's sort of four quadrants of the advisor's role. Um, you don't necessarily need to deliver all four, but you can identify which one uh, resonates most strongly with you and start there as you build up your your advisory offering, but more importantly, as you're able to package and position your advisory offering when you're sitting opposite clients and prospective clients. So um, do you want to talk us through, uh, I'm not sure if you want to start in, in one of the quadrants or give us an overview of, of uh, what you liked about this particular model? Yeah, okay, I'll do a little quick overview. And, and the reason I liked it is because it did break it down into four distinct types of roles that uh, people have to have within their company. And often, especially smaller and startup businesses don't have either the bandwidth or the the financial capability of having somebody full-time to do this. So so it's broken up into being, uh, you know, this managerial financing. It's not accounting finance. It's not after the fact. It's managerial. So it's real time. And you've got a, cat- a catalyst, somebody who executes challenges, investments, and strategies, uh, and is typically a senior partner. And, and it can be a third-party outsourced person uh, for a bit of the time. Uh, sometimes it's a board of directors. Uh, but they're the, the catalyst that allows things to get going and get started. And then there's somebody who is the talent manager. Um, they develop and retain talent. They, they figure out the financing abilities to be able to take on in talent, uh, talent. Then there's the operator, somebody who's just in operations, managing money in and out, controlling the expenses, um, seeing what, what advantage um, the actual business owner can take from the company. 
And then there's the internal controls and accountability and, you know, just the how to handle what effectively used to be called paperwork across a business, but is now the workflow across the business uh, just to load level it so that everything's about speed in any business. It's all about the speed of the transaction. It's when a transaction occurs that money happens, that profit happens. So how do we increase the number of transactions? How do we increase the value of those transactions? And then how do we, we what percentage do we take off and give to the ownership? Yeah, and, and Penny, if I'm the business owner, in all honesty, if I see advisory services on a website or if I see business uh business um, consultant on on a website, uh, one of the things I'm thinking about is, is that top quadrant? um, Is the top quadrant there? So that top quadrant and um, you're back, Penny. It's all good. Yeah. Um, The top quadrant, you can can, can say, what part of this do I like doing with the business? So well, I, I wasn't actually going to mean that. What I was going to say is, is, is if I'm the business owner and I'm seeing advisory, my mind immediately goes to strategy development and strategy execution. But in all honesty, I'm not sure if the accountant or bookkeeper is the best person for that. Alternatively, you, you alternatively, the bookkeeper or accountant can probably only work with a, a small number of clients to provide this extremely high level of service and high level of insight that's sort of my my feeling about a bookkeeper or an accountant's ability to deliver on the catalyst and an execution type role what are your thoughts i i agree with you and in the case of uh this young lady that we were discussing earlier she's not an accountant she's an mba that's her focus is to be that catalyst and she outsourced the bookkeeping, the accounting, and the tax to somebody else. So she got as she got her uh, centers of influence around her. The, the client mm-hmm. might not necessarily even know. The client will deal with the tax accountant, obviously, but the client doesn't ever deal with us. Um, she deals with the client. So she's, she's focused on just doing that strategic stuff. And what we do is, as the people around her is we give her the support documentation she needs in order to be able to make those decisions with the business owner in, it, in a very timely and meaningful fashion with actionable information. She could go in and say, oh, I'm going to be the kind of CFO where I'm going to, um, like another company that we work with, another firm that we work with, where they just handle all of the money in and out. They organize it. They manage the payables. They manage the receivables. They do everything. Then the accountant sits with the ownership once a month and the board of directors once a month and gets their tasking from them. Ah, right. So 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 basically. Yeah, he's chosen to be much more of the uh, lower quadrant of that diagram where he's in operations and stewardship control. Mm-hmm. And um, that's his strategy, and that's how he works with with businesses that he particularly works with, which he t- which tend to be um, um, tech companies. And actually, that's probably a good point because I didn't really think about I didn't really think about that because if the client already has a board of advisors, uh, etc., there probably isn't that catalyst role to play. No. Whereas the the the, the role uh, in the Midwest probably working with small owner, owner operators, owner entrepreneurs. And she is actually acting as that advisor, probably a member of the board and giving uh, advice on on that. So I I think that's a really important um, distinction to make as well. It depends on the types of clients that you're working with and the advisors that they already have in place in terms of the role that you're going to play. Is that fair? Yeah, that would be fair. I think if you took this advisory role diagram and then referred back to that book, The Robots Are Coming by Oppenheimer, where he took that one chapter and dedicated it to the future of accounting in the world of AI. And he talks exactly about the idea that, you know, I know I designed this diagram back in 2000 and what, 14 was it when you had me do I think so, yeah. Yeah. But 
you know, and I read his book afterwards, but all it did was validate that the future of accounting is not going to be um, head in the books, data entry, or anything. We already know that. But in this case, because AI frees up so much of your time, and AI is just going to get better and better and, and deeper and deeper into the accounting methodology, that your job, if you choose to take it uh, in the advisory role, is to go out and find that group for these businesses, these small businesses and these startups, and find those other pieces that they need, and you manage that. Like she mm. manages us. Like she manages the work that we do and the tax account when they get the tax return. She's the driver of that and the connector back to the client. And and, and actually, you, you you can't do that catalyst execution strategy role if you don't have good internal controls, if you don't have that operator efficiency. So so I because I, th I, th I think that's what happens in terms of accountants as they look at what is advisory. They immediately go to business planning and business strategy and, and strategic planning days and all that type of stuff. But if you don't have that operator efficiency quadrant taken care of, if you don't have the stewards uh, quadrant taken care of, um, you, you can't really effectively deliver on the execution and the strategy side of things, can you? You can't be. You can't certainly. You certainly can't give them the right numbers. You're still always looking in the rearview mirror, and businesses don't want to see where they've been, except as a uh, a, a, a way to judge how far they've gone. That's all. Um, they want to see what's what's out in front of them, and and if you're going to take on that role, then you have to grab control of the others, or you have to at least trust that the people that you've got doing those other jobs, those other functions, are doing it in a way that's going to support your ability to be that catalyst. Um, yeah. And and you know what? To tell you the truth, if you can't do it in your own business, how are you going to do it for somebody else? And also, I th well, there is very much that. But also, I think as as well, I'm, I'm not sure about yourself, but a lot of the accountants and bookkeepers that I have have worked with over the years, they're not ready for those types of conversations yet either. Maybe because they haven't done it in their own business, um, and and so I think that holds them back from going down this advisor road, because a lot of those, um, you know, the strategy and and. Uh, execution and, and catalyst type activities that you're talking about, it, it sometimes is very much out of my comfort zone. Uh, and so I then hold off on taking the step. But I actually think if I'm sitting here listening and I'm uh, I'm an accountant bookkeeper, I, I want to get beyond the debits and credits. I want to get beyond the tax. I, I think that stewards control or operator efficiency Focusing on those two quadrants would be a cracking way to get started on this advisor journey. Um, I, I, I agree with you to a certain help. point. I, I frankly have met a lot of CPA partner owners who I think are very good at that. What they, They're very good at that catalyst. They, they can have a conversation with their business owner and provide good and valuable information. If they have that faith in the numbers that they're looking at. If they have a team behind them, they can do it. And that, and I think that that becomes critical. Um, I, you, you granted, yeah, the average bookkeeper may not have that ability to be the catalyst, but it, they may work for somebody who is, and they may be the person that provides them the backup information in order for them to have that strategic role within a business and do that fractional CFO and feel comfortable in it. One of the things with this young lady is that because she, she was alone, she had to go to outside sources to find that support. But if you go within your own firm, if you, you know if you, you have that ability to sit down with a business owner and say, hey, Joan, sorry, but you know what? I think you need to change a few things here. And you're probably going to need to get right now money's cheap. I think you should go out and get a loan, da 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 da, and do all of this. You have that ability to do it, but you have to have that information in front of you in a timely fashion. And you have to have a team that you're working with that you can depend on. And that team includes 
not only the people that work with you, but the technology that you're using to get the data and pull it in and that the data is working correctly. Um, I do think that, that that intelligence level and that desire is out there. It's just they get bogged down in drama and um, compliance and crisis management. Well, well, I think that I, I think that's that's a really important point to make, Penny, and discuss a little bit further. I, I'll backtrack my statement before. It, not necessarily the skill set. I think that's absolutely there. Uh, what I was saying, I, I think it's the the capacity to do it. I think it's uh, to make sure you're doing it with the client uh, that is willing to pay for it. Uh, I think the the those types of things are, are what risk, and and also just. There are only so many clients that I can have those types of conversations with because they are much more involved, they are much more engaged. And so there is a ceiling as to, to how much we can do. Um, so that's so I, I'll backtrack that statement ever so slightly. Um, but I think what's really important, uh, and I think this is absolutely scalable, is the idea around internal controls and helping our clients really strengthen their internal controls and on the other side of that quad, the, the, the other quadrant down there is that operator efficiency. I think that's really where, um, and particularly strategy in the virtual controller, I think is a phenomenal stepping stone uh, for folks that are getting into this advisor circle. And, and I, I've seen it a couple of times where um, clients have really struggled to understand um, the bookkeeper or accountant trying to change their role from tax to strategy or bookkeeping to strategy. But when they talk to them about, let's, I've noticed the costs increasing. I've noticed that um, there's some internal controls and there's some risk of fraud happening in the business. Uh, that is where the, the client and accountant, uh, client and advisor really start to, to gel because it's, it's in the accountant's wheelhouse and it's also a, uh, uh, something that the, the, the client didn't know that, they, that was an issue for them. And I, I, I just think that's a really good place for firms to start as they go down defining what is their advisory service offering. Well, I, I, it's the lower right-hand corner is the beginning of it. That's absolutely for sure. On that diagram, that is, you have to have that foundation. You have to know that that foundation is solid and you have to trust that foundation is always going to be there for you. Otherwise, you will not take that leap. And and it, it starts it starts with that regular consistent bookkeeping yeah. being in those numbers yeah. on a on a weekly basis. Yeah, it almost seems like you know you you talk about like a lot of this high end stuff that people do this strategy and uh, you know innovation and growth and and helping the company make these large decisions. But all those large decisions come from a basis of what is that transaction and where did it go? How did it get in here? And how did it happen? How fast does it happen? How often does it happen? And uh, what, what percentage of that transaction rolls off and gets to be kept by the company? I mean, you have to have that information and that comes from bookkeeping. Um, it, you know, when, when you were in school and you took algebra, you didn't take algebra until you took a lot of low-level math classes first. You had to learn how to know one plus one equals two before you could do an algebraic equation. You know, so uh, you, everybody's got to start somewhere, and that and I'm. It's the lowest lowest job on the totem pole, but if it's not done, you can't do that top catalyst execution. And I think to your point earlier that, that you, you can't do it unless you've done it in your business yourself. And I think that's a really important part that we've been talking about is for listeners to, to make sure that their own back office is in good shape to, to re-engineer. And we'll get into re-engineering workflows and, and all that type of stuff in, in, in upcoming episodes. But I, I would really encourage um, listeners to be thinking before I go talking to my clients about uh, operator efficiency and cost reduction and, and an improved operating model. How is my own backyard looking? And 
Are my workflows as efficient as they can be? Are my systems as efficient as they can be? Have I leveraged automation and machine learning and artificial intelligence intelligently so as to maximize my operator efficiency? I, I think that's, a, and again, I think that's a really good place to start to your point is in your own backyard, your own firm, because then that's going to give you that confidence to have this type of operator efficiency conversation with your client. So I think that's a really important place to start. And we'll be talking about um, operator efficiency in, in an accounting firm and a bookkeeping firm uh, in subsequent episodes, and but this, without a doubt. This is huge. If you don't have it going on, and, and I mean, I always tell everybody, you want to know how an app works? Use it, use it yourself. Experiment with it, understand what your client, look at it from your view, and then look at it from the client's view. How are they going to use it? Because if you can use it in your own firm, then the adoption of your people getting the client to use it efficiently is much better percentage of that happening. And the other thing about apps is, is a really interesting one is there's a lot of distractions out there, aren't there, <laughs> aren't there? Yeah. Um, and, and actually, if, if we think about, again, the, the, the premise behind strategy and the virtual controller, it, it's actually built off that David Meister book, Strategy and the Fat Smoker, that we know what we need to do. We know the strategies to do it, but we're often distracted by short term, uh, short term distractions. Um, and and the, the immediate thought is this advisor role up into that top left quadrant, which is the catalyst execution strategy. So my immediate mind is to go straight to the reporting tool, isn't it? Oh yeah. Straight to straight to the bells and whistles and the shiny thing that is reporting. Yeah. But actually a better place to start and you can't actually get to that without that operator efficiency, uh, the, the, the bottom right quadrant, can you? No, you can't. And it seems like reporting is the, uh, is the baby this year. It's the new, it's the new shiny app that seems to be coming out. Um, I demoed two uh, similar reporting interfaces uh, just this month and sent them over to my team to look at uh, and run the paces through. Um, you know, it's funny on my diagrams, the reporting is the last thing that we get, but it's the thing that we can take to the client and say, look at this. This is what's going on in your business now. And these are things I think you should think about for now and in the future. And all of that reporting, that good, solid reporting is great, but it doesn't mean anything unless the bookkeeping was done properly, the, 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 it was done timely, and it actually is done, period. Um, how, do you, how can you do that reporting without that number? So like all the demos that we did with these, these uh, report interfaces um, that, you know, want to one wants to give you an interview uh, or show you your books in a in a in a, a nice graphic interface and then make suggestions for you on how you should handle your ap you know you're paying your bills too quick you're not receiving your money fast enough you 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 could qualify for a loan here's a lender and then the other one was hey you let's give you some kind of nice plug and play so you can create your own interactive reports from that don't require any kind of knowledge of an Excel spreadsheet. It's actually, it's kind of like using emojis <laughs> with them. It was kind of cute, but um, they were, they were all about getting the data. And I said, well, what's the difference between getting the data through you versus going into QuickBooks and getting it. And it's actually pretty obvious. It's like, I look at QuickBooks and I'm an accountant. I can understand it. I look at QuickBooks as a business owner. I often don't know, what the heck I'm looking at. Um, so these, these, these new reporting tools, I think the reporting tools are going to be key this year. Um, it's funny, you know, you get different, you get different things that are happening every year and what, what becomes a great app to have. Um, and it's a good time with what's everything that's gone on. I think more and more people are using cloud-based systems. It's a good time for us to, take a breather after this long haul of a tax season, at least in the United States, and maybe start learning some of this stuff and looking at it. And like, like I'll look at this and I'll go, I know a client right now that could use that. Right. I, I, Oh, 
This is exactly what this client needs. And then 15 minutes into it, I'm going, oh yeah, and that other client. And, and by the time I was done with the demo, I thought of five people that could use this app. And I'm going, well, heck, let me just run it through once on my own company. Let me see what it looks like. And if I feel comfortable with it, I'm going to present it to the client. And if the client's happy, I just, you know what? I was a catalyst. <laughs> I, so I'm going to, I'm going to completely disagree with you okay. um, and in saying it, that, that this should be something that accountants are looking at this year. I, I think you and I are thinking that because where this is what we do day in, day out. And you said you demoed a couple of apps and that's, uh, that's, I, I think you're understating it, Penny, as you sometimes do. Um, accounting applications come to you because of your experience and insights in the bookkeeping world. They come to you because you, this is what you do. You test apps, you send them to your team, they run them through that your team is, is handling uh, an enormous amount of applications for the large client base that you're working with. Uh, and so it's not you just demoing an app. So yeah. I, I, I think, so if, if, if you are an app company out there and, and, and want uh, an accountant's perspective and, and, um, Head, uh, head over to moneypennyllc.com and, and you'll see how you can get in touch with Penny. But her and her team, um, I haven't seen an accounting firm that is using more apps than than her firm, primarily because her number one client is an accounting firm. So it's just the, the sheer um, uh, portfolio of apps that the, that the firm is using is, is exponentially larger than most firms. So that's the first point I wanted to make. The second thing that I, I think is really important is Yes, reporting, absolutely. Um, but I do need to make sure my inputs are organized yep. first. I need to make sure that the data is coming in clean. I need to make sure the data is coming in timely. And I, 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 I would really encourage listeners before they look at that reporting side, before they look at that catalyst and execution and the fun stuff, let's be honest, the how do we grow, how do we do this? You've got to make sure that the data coming in is coming in clean. It's coming in timely. And, and again, going back to this idea of controller, you controlling the information. I mean, think about all the sources of data these days. You've got your expenses. You've got your bank feed. You've got your point of sale. If that's not coming in cleanly and efficiently, there's no way we're even going to get to the reporting side of things. And so, I, again, I... I, I, I see that as the the the, the promised land, but I, I do think people are, are skipping a step um, to try and get there and also try to get there for one or two clients. Whereas I, I'm almost certain 90% of your client base, they need you in that operator efficiency. They need you in the steward controls. And that is just such a great place to start. So that, that that's my only concern is we're always in these and I, I, I don't want, and also if I'm an accountant, I go to apps.com and I look up reporting tools, put, put some money in the swear jar, but I'm thinking, holy shit, how, what's this do? What's that do? What's the difference between these? So just learning and spending time there is, is, in, is going to take um, a, a lot of time and a lot of patience and, and uh, where, so, so I think it's, it's, it's a bit bigger, uh, piece of the pie or a bit bigger piece of the puzzle than we than we think and until we get that operator efficiency until we get that internal controls then 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 even trying to have those conversations is 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 going to be challenging i agree and one of the things that um i had a discussion with a, an accountant uh, it's a good friend of mine and she was like going what i'm what i think my clients need are actionable is actionable information. She said, if you give them a report, if you give them a financial statement, that's a static piece of information. When I can get to the point where I give them action points, do this today, do, do this, it'll make a difference. She said, the only way I can get that data is if the foundation I have is correct and I trust it. And and, and I, you know, I think a lot, there's a lot of trust factor that has to, that has to be involved in this. Uh, mm -hmm. I see that lack of trust. Heck, I found two errors just myself 
in my own bank feeds uh, where I actually had to call the bank. I mean, you you have to be able to trust it. You have to have people that you're, you, you've got working with you who are team players and you're all on the same gender and you all go, you want to get that actionable event for the client and you know what your part is and you know that your part is valued by the rest of the team, you're going to be much more, you're going to be, you're just going to do your job a lot better. And so the results will be better and the results will be the best for the, for the client in the, in the long run. But yeah. Uh, and that reminds me of a, an example that, well, one of my first, con- one of my first consulting lessons that I learned. Um, and it, it was around what is my role of as, as consultant and, um, as sort of in that strategy side of things. But it was really interesting because what we did is, is we just looked at the P&L, the month by month or the quarter by quarter P&L. We went down there and we flagged anomalies. We flagged uh, upward trends and downward trends. And more often than not, <laughs> you would go down line by line and there would be a, a downward trend by a couple of percentage points. And you'd look at that line, you'd pause, take a sharp intake of breath, circle it. And before you'd even moved on to the next one, the client had already launched into the conversation of what was actually happening in their, in their business to drive down to, to, to that was having that impact. Mm-hmm. And I think in that operator efficiency uh, section is within QuickBooks, within Xero, you, you have a lot of the information already. Now it's about uh, bringing it to the attention of the client. What is that downward trend? What is the upward trend? Um, I've seen a lot of firms do this very, very effectively where they assume that fractional controller role and it is that their, their, their monthly or quarterly meeting is around this quarter versus last quarter, this quarter versus same quarter last year, um, actual versus budget. And they're the three reports that they go to and sit down to discuss. And, and that's just the starting point for that, that, that advisor role in that operator efficiency. So again, I, I think we can definitely go to a lot of, a lot of apps, uh, but also I think um, in terms of maximizing what we have in front of us, this is a great way that accountants and bookkeepers can take that step into that virtual controller, the fractional controller, which is then going to open up um, the, 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 the much bigger activities and the much bigger conversations. Yeah, and the ones that are actually gonna make you money because the bookkeeping's not gonna do it. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's a loss. Um, Penny, I, what, so we, we talked a fair bit about the operator efficiency role. And I, I, again, I think that's a really good starting point for advisors, accountants, bookkeepers that are wanting to, to add more value to their client relationships. We're going to talk about um, pricing and packaging and positioning uh, a little bit later on, but I thought we might wrap up with a, just a little bit of time spent on the stewards control, sort of that bottom left quadrant, because again, I, I think this is a perfect place uh, for accountants and bookkeepers to help their clients. Um, and, and it was my experience at Receipt Bank working with accountants when they put that source document alongside the transaction, all of a sudden the internal controls were strengthened um, significantly. Yes. Uh, it was a great example. Um, they had been, the, the client had been on desktop. Uh, they had an internal bookkeeper. And as what typically happens, the bookkeeper retired. Uh, and so that actually meant that the, the business was like, oh, actually, maybe we should talk to our accountant about how they can help us do this. So in doing so, the accountant was absolutely, we're going to move you onto a new system. And in this instance, it was zero, it's called zero. Uh, we're going to implement this tool called Receipt Bank that's going to collect and organize all the, the documents. And, and Receipt Bank is now DEXT as well, just for, for our listeners. But um, what was interesting was when they went and rebuilt the last 12 months of the books, 50% of the transactions in the AP ledger didn't have a source document. Wow. And, and, and when they then went further back, uh, they uncovered that their internal bookkeeper, trusted bookkeeper, had been paying suppliers twice, mm-hmm. paying the supplier and paying themselves. 
Um, small amounts, but as you can imagine, over two years, over three years, four years, two hundred thousand uh, dollars had been um, skimmed off the books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and 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 this happens day in day out. Uh, and and I, I know um, uh, Dawn Brolin, for example, she does a lot on fraud. Oh, she's um, great. She is great on that stuff. Fantastic. But time fraud and expense oh. fraud, AP fraud, uh-huh. uh, three of the most prevalent. We 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 all think of fraud as being the um the the Nigerian prince or something along those lines, yeah. and the phishing that happens in email. But it's the it's the half hour here. It's the the it's the time. It's the expense, and it's the AP that is really prevalent, isn't it? Yes, I have a client who we deal directly with the CFO brand new startup and um he just he's like i want you to take care of everything I just want you to take care of everything he's actually been pinging me in slack while we've been talking and um i told him i said listen i'm not comfortable with you just telling me to arbitrarily pay your bills when they're due i said here is a workflow we're going to set up and on every thursday night you are going to get an ap report you are going to then tell us which ones you want paid. And then I will pay them once I have it in writing on that Excel spreadsheet that you're okaying it. And he said, why? And I said, because someday I won't be here. Someday somebody else is going to be paying this. And I know you trust me and I trust you, but I don't trust the next person coming in. And you need to, you need to have a complete audit trail. So all these these invoices were coming in and they were, and all these different people were with just like throwing invoices at him and there was duplication and everything. And he was going crazy. And I said, okay, now we're going to write a full fledged document. You're going to take it to your board of directors and you're going to implement this across the company. And we set up a new email address. All, all incoming invoices come there. Everything gets into QuickBooks. No invoice gets created in QuickBooks without an attached document to it so every one of those attachments goes through and then when we pay it the attachment goes along with the payment because the payment processing um, that we use syncs to quickbooks and so those documents come over there is nothing that is done without a document and without an approval and i'm not touching it otherwise i i actually wrote a letter to these doctors who own this company a bunch of scientists and doctors on it and i said and this is the way I roll. And if you don't like it, please go find somebody else to do this work. I mean, Penny, how many times have you gone into a business in the top drawer, signed checks? Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like it's insane. <laughs> the first time I saw that, I was like shocked. I was going, you're kidding, right? But I've seen it so many times. So many times. And, and- and, and I think, again, this is where accountants and control accountants, bookkeepers to take this step into talking to your clients about business advisory. I've seen some firms do this really effectively where they just focus on internal controls before we do anything else. We're just going to strengthen your internal controls. And it's it's a number of apps. And, and there's a there's a, an AP or a bill pay. There's the cloud general ledger, there's the expense tracking, and then there's a time tracking. And so go to apps.com and you can find three and four in each of those categories and you can build your little black dress, which we're going to talk about in a couple of episodes. But now what they do is is they rinse and repeat. Their focus is helping protect their clients from fraud yes and that's their value proposition and the way that they do that is with with these tools um that they're able to do that at scale and they're able to then move they they would talk to their. it was so funny because they would talk to their clients about the benefits of receipt bank and the data flow and you can snap pictures they talked about t-sheets and how you can do it on your phone and they talked about milio and we can do approvals and all that type of stuff the client wasn't interested. The client was like, oh, well, why? Everything else seems to be working as it is currently. Um, but then when they talk to them about fraud and protecting them against uh, against fraud, uh, all of a sudden the client's ears were like, oh, hang on. You, you never mentioned that before. You just talked about snapping pictures of things. W-I-I-F-M, um, what's in it for me? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And 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 maybe that's a, a good um, a, a good pause for today's episode because right there we talked a lot about operator efficiency and 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 we've got to get that right. But when we actually talk to our clients, we do need to think about what's in it for them. And putting these tools and 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 uh, systems in place for the operator efficiency, that might not be necessarily as as sexy and as appealing to the to the to the actual client. But talk to them about protecting their most valuable asset, which is their business's ability to generate income. Then you're going to get their interest. And and I think that bottom left quadrant, the stewards' control, so internal controls, risk, and accountability. I think that's a really great way in which um, uh, advisors can can go to their clients with a package with uh, with a package of, of services and products that delivers that delivers uh, an internal control uh, program yeah. designed to protect your business and and it's got a value proposition. It's worth something. I can put a, a very hefty price on it, and it really in and and then it in in ingratiates the client to me to be like oh wow these guys are really looking out for me yeah, exactly. and it just starts that trust conversation absolutely because the trust the trust with you and your employees the trust with you and your apps and the trust with you and your client that's probably just take out that my managerial finance in the middle of that circle and just put the word trust because if we can all trust one another then this will this will all flow a lot better um and a little less drama, a lot more trust, and everything will be. And and get and get on with the and get on with that uh, with that strategy and execution, which is the much more fun stuff. But let's get those fundamentals. Yeah. Um, Penny, if people want to find you, where can they find more information about you? Find more information about the type of work you do. Moneypennyllc.com. Uh, and obviously connect with uh, connect with us on LinkedIn. Yes. Um, Connect with us on LinkedIn. Follow us on the uh, the, the the podcast um, social medias. Uh, satvc.co is where you can find information um, and previous podcasts and and links to the book and links to the downloads and articles that we've been discussing. Uh, Penny, as always, it's been a, a a great conversation. Thank you very much for sharing your insights. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you next time. You betcha.